0: the word all right well I am I am really excited about the next few weeks um, as we are leading up to Christmas to the Advent season is all here you know it's funny we uh, we kind of make it through Thanksgiving we eat too much amen oh come on We eat too much. We hang out with family. We watch some football, maybe. I don't know. That's part of our tradition. Um, And then it's funny. We wake up Friday morning and it's like, oh my goodness, there's only hours till Christmas. (laughs) Right? Uh, And it's just funny how things seem to shift gears. On Friday morning we were ringing bells on Friday and then some yesterday uh, and it really is interesting people just go into they go they go into crazy goad mode right after the coma wears off of the food and you get up Friday morning and you're like okay we've got to get this going I mean the stores get crowded the lists start coming out You know, guys, we kind of get pressure. It's time to put up the lights because our neighbor is like Clark Griswold. You know, they've got all the lights up. Matter of fact, they started back in like August putting lights up, you know, and they've got all the lights and they've got all the blow up. You know, snowmen that sing and dance and all that stuff. And we look at our house and go, "Well, there's still some lights on the house from last year, <laughs> right? Right?" And we're like, oh, "Okay, it's time. Gotta gotta get things. Gotta get things going. Um, things just seem to speed up. If you're in business, it speeds up. You know, there's." More that happens, there's things you got to get done, there's numbers for the end of the year. If you're in sales, it's like got to finish strong. All those kinds of things start happening. And this next month can be like nutso. It really can. It it really can. Um, It just gets crazy with all the parties at school and Family and work and got to buy gifts for people I don't even know and buy gifts for people I don't even like. Come on. Come on, don't y'all be spiritual on me this morning and put on that fake churchy face. I know. I know how it works, you know. It is. And here's the thing. If we're not careful, we will blow through it and miss it or for so many hate it they hate this kind of this time of the year you know i just wish it was already some of you are already thinking i just wish it was already over you know and and i just think that's kind of sad i love this season i love it and why wouldn't we I'll just tell you, the only reason we would not love this season is if we're not focused on the right thing. Come on. Now, there's a lot about the culture and all of that, of how it treats the season, yeah, that I don't like. I'm not crazy about. But this is the season that is like, we gotta, we gotta enjoy it. But here's the thing, so often we get so wrapped up in all the stuff. I was thinking, man, the songs are like perfect this morning for what we're talking about cuz we get so wrapped up in all the stuff and so busy and trying to get it all done and accomplish everything that has to be accomplished and, that like there are there are probably people around you that are like, "I don't I don't like this. I'm not happy." You know, it's kind of like I remember, I've told this story before, but I remember when my girls were little and I thought they were finally old enough to ride the big roller coasters with dad, right? And so I put them on the big roller coaster with dad because dad loves roller coasters. And I'll never forget the first time I put them on the big roller coaster and I am like having a blast I am having so much fun, and then I look over, and they're not happy. (laughs) They are not having fun. They are stressed out, screaming at the top of their lungs. And matter of fact, if you have your notes, you may want to, uh uh-oh, is it not working? Are we good? Yeah. (laughs) They're saying, stop this thing. I want to get off. Right? Stop this thing. I just want to get off. And here's part of the reason people don't enjoy this season is that people around you, you may be having a blast. Running at 10,000 miles an hour. Filling it all up. But look around. There may be some people around you going, man, just stop this thing. This is not fun for me. I'm just, I just stop it, you know? Um, Because here's the thing. If we're not careful over the next few weeks, we're going to do all the work, have all the pressure, and walk away more stressed out than we were going in. And it shouldn't be. We'll miss it. You know, Jesus actually said, he said, what good is it? What good is it if you gain the whole world and lose your soul? What good is all the stuff? What good is all the stuff? You know, and it's at this time of year that we talk so much about being present with family and being present being more aware of of God's presence but we can so easily miss the very thing that we say this is all about and we as church people we're just as guilty we are we'll get so wrapped up in all the stuff you know we we set up all the christmas decor The garland, the lights, the snowmen, all the stuff. And I was thinking about this, that if you're a kid, the most important thing that you set up in your house for a kid is the tree. It's the tree. In our culture, it's the tree. You're like, really? Yeah. And can I just tell you, they don't care if it's themed well. Only some of you get that because there's only some of you that care whether, you know. But there are those that I live with one that likes the Christmas tree to have a theme, right? And everything on the tree has a theme. And so we have the old, we have the tree that has all the old family ornaments on it. And then we have a tree that's like the theme tree. And because we live by a little lake and my wife likes to fish, our theme tree is a fishing tree, because that's Christmassy, right? (laughs) You know, I'm serious, and and, and can I just tell you though, the kids don't care what the tree looks like, the kids don't even care if there's any ornaments on the tree, they don't care if there's lights. Because the tree has one purpose in their mind. It's where the presents go. Right? It's where the presents goes. So the tree is like incredibly important because that's where the presents go. Because (laughs) presents... I've watched all the Hallmark movies... You know, I've watched all this stuff, and we say, well, you know, Christmas is not about the presents. I want to flip that on its lid this year. Because I believe Christmas is 100% about the presents. That's right. It's 100% about his... Presence being with us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so the presence are the most important thing. But it's his presence. Come on, right? It's his presence. Matter of fact, you can... Write that down, and I'm going to read it. Well, I'm going to read it before we write it down. In Matthew chapter 1 in verse 23, it says, The virgin will conceive. This is Christmas. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name, everybody say, Emmanuel. Everybody say it, Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. He is Emmanuel. It is his presence with us that is Christmas, y'all. That's Christmas. That is this whole season. Matter of fact, John talks about it like this. John actually says, the way he describes it is that Christmas is the Word that became flesh. Everybody say flesh. The Word that took on skin. <laughs> the Word became flesh and He lived with us, dwelled among us, hung out with us. That is Christmas. So, if you can't celebrate Christmas, you got a problem. Because Christmas is all about the presence of the living God with us. Oh, come on. It's about the presence of the living God with us, with me. This thing is beeping, so I'm going to have to plug it in. So hang on just a moment as I figure that out. I'm just going to unplug it. Actually, I'm just going to do that. Y'all can look on the big screen, right? Y'all can handle it. All right. He is Emmanuel, God what? Yes. You know, so often we cry out. And I hear people—they're well-meaning people—come in, even to church, and, and 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 they they say, "Jesus, I want you to be with me. Jesus, I need your presence. Holy Spirit, come." And I get it, but I often think when we do that, Jesus is going, "I'm here." My presence is here, right? The Holy Spirit is here. Our job is to lean into him being here, right? He's here. I used to have an old preacher friend of mine. He would say, the Holy Spirit's here because I brought him with me. Come on. Did you bring him with you? Then he's here. And so often we're like, Jesus, I need you. And he's like, I'm right here. My presence is with you. I am. What? Emmanuel. I am with you. And it's so interesting to me. We're just coming out of this series about the, the lies of the enemy and how to battle how to engage, everybody say engage, engage in the fight against the lies of the enemy, against the pull of our flesh, right, that how, how he lies, our flesh says, yes, that looks good, the world around us says, absolutely, you need it, you deserve it, go for it, <laughs> right, It's this battle. But you know what I am so aware of is this fight for against the lie and this fight against the liar is so present during this season. The lie of the enemy that tries to distract us and get us so off base the lie of the enemy that says to be a good parent you got to spend more than you can afford it's a lie you know the lie of our flesh the lie that our flesh tells ourselves of if i do this really well it'll make me feel good it's a lie you know the lie of the world around us that we have to buy and spend and do all of the, look, look, we got to look the part. You know, we got to fit in. It's such a lie that can distract us. And let's get down to the, the point. The, the main reason we don't like this season, let's just be honest, is we get war smooth out. Anybody? We get wore out. We get tired. We're like, what in the world? There's so much pressure. There's so much that needs to be done. And then Jesus comes along and he says this. He says, Are you tired? anybody in the room? Oh, come on. Are you awake? Anybody in the room? You're already tired and it's just getting started. Come on, right? Are you tired? Are you worn out? Anybody in the room dreading the next month? You bunch of liars. <laughs> Nobody's like, amen, brother. Nobody. Come on. You're like dreading. You're like, well, I'm worn out and not got started And then he asks this question, this is Jesus. We've been talking about Jesus, his teachings all year long. He says, are you burned out on religion? Well, come to me. Everybody say, come to me. Come to me. Get away with me. And you'll, what? Everybody say it. Recover your life. Huh? I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. And work with me. I love that. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Who's talking? Who's talking? Jesus. He said, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And I love this. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live what? Freely and lightly. Freely and lightly. I'm going to go back. It's not working. <laughs> oh, well. I don't know why this thing is fighting me today. You can go back. Go back. Um, you'll live how? Freely and how? Lightly. You'll live freely and lightly. I know, I don't know about you, but there's been times, so many seasons of my life that that the pressure was there so much, there was no way I was going to get it all done. Anybody? There was just so much to do, you know, that there was no way I was ever going to get it all done. And in the middle of that, somebody has the audacity to tell me, Jesus just wants you to get away with him. Can I be honest with you? When I'm looking at the list of all that needs to be done, and some preacher has the gall to tell me, I just need to take time to be with Jesus. My first response, now this is your spiritual leader right here, right? My first response is, I don't have time. Come on. I don't have time. I can't add that to the list, and that's really what I'm saying in my head. Right? Come on. I, I, I just don't, I do not have time. You read a scripture, when the list is long and the pressure's high, you le- read a, a scripture that says, just come away with me. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And I'm like, when I die, <laughs> come on, right? It's like, what? That seems like fairy tale land almost. Come on. How? How? But here's what I know. In those seasons that it was impossible. Absolutely impossible to get it all done. Absolutely impossible to deal with the pressure of getting it all done. When I've taken those moments, (laughs) the psalmist says it like this, one day in his presence, in his courts, one day in his house, one day with him is better, more profitable, more enjoyable than a thousand days anywhere else. And here's what I've learned. Ten minutes in his presence... Ten minutes of focusing on the presence. (sighs) I get so much more done. Because he helps me clear my head. He helps me decide what's important and what's not. Anybody? You get it? It's in his presence. It's when I focus on his presence. And here's... Here's what I know. I believe going through this whole series that we're just coming out of, that we, as a body of Christ, as the crossing right here, this piece of the body right here, we need to more than ever spend some time leaning into his presence, leaning into the Holy Spirit. And who he is. And how he wants to walk with us. Being more aware of Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Getting a fresh understanding. And we're going to spend some time over the next few weeks. Getting a fresh understanding of what does it mean that Emmanuel is here. What happened on the planet when he became flesh? Because I think when we really get a grasp of it, we will want to lean into his presence and really, really understand. But here's what I want you to know. And you can write this down. Um, The gift of his presence, it's going to cost you. You're like, no, salvation is a free gift. Absolutely, it is. Salvation is free. Everybody say that. Salvation is free. It is free. He paid the price for it. But I'm just going to tell you to walk in His presence, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. You're like, really? Yeah. Matter of fact, You're going to have to give up some good things to have the best things. You're going to have to give up some really good stuff over the next month to be able to (laughs) come away, to lean in, to connect with his presence, to really understand Emmanuel. There's a lot of good things. I'm not talking about big, gross sins. I'm talking about... Busy, trying to get it all done. And really, I'm preaching to Victor this morning. Y'all just get to go along for the ride, all right? Because I live this stuff. I know what it's like to have more to do than you'll ever get done. You know, I understand the pressure. I really do. And here's what God reminded me as we're stepping into this season. And I've talked about this before, but I want you just to be reminded. Because how do we step into his presence? How, do, how does this work? Well, I believe the first thing we have to do, because it is going to cost us some things. What do you mean cost us some things? Well, write this down. I, I believe we must make some margins. We must make margins. I I did a whole series years ago on margins. What are margins? Have you guys ever, have you ever seen a book or can you imagine reading a book that has no margins? Where it's literally every space on the page is full of words. Do you know how awkward that would be? there's no top, no sides, no nothing, just full of words. I would be wore out before I got started reading, right? Have you guys ever, you know what? <laughs> I, I started to say, have you ever? But then I realized we live in Mena, Arkansas, where Highway 71 that was a four lane is now a five lane. I don't know if any of you have been around long enough to remember that. It was four lanes. They took the same space and made five lanes. And if you drive an 18-wheeler, you know. Or if you drive a big truck, you know. Or if you drive a big camper, you know. When there are two 18-wheelers going through that little curve at, at Cruiser's, It makes me nervous. Matter of fact, when we used to drive the tour bus, it was a 40-foot tour bus with a 30-foot trailer. I would stop in the middle of the road before I got to that spot because I've traded mirrors with more than one person. You guys know what I'm talking about? Why? Why is that space, it's like when there's 18-wheelers or you're beside one, you know? And they're right on the line. There is enough room for them to get there. There's enough room. But it makes us nervous because there's no margin. Right? There's no room. It's kind of like this This makes Susan really, really nervous. I don't know why. You know? And look at that. Somehow they got to get by each other. <laughs> Some of you are sweating just looking at it, right? You're like, oh my goodness. Or, or maybe that. Why does that make you nervous? Because there's no room. There's no space. There's no, everybody say it, there's no margin. There is no margin. And here's the thing. You may want to write this down. Margin is the space between our load and our limit. Margin is the space between our load and our limit. And in the holiday seasons, in the Christmas, Thanksgiving season, it's so easy to push the margins out. It's so easy to live life with no margins. I've seen marriages that had no space between their load and their limit. And one hiccup during the holiday season and their marriage is in trouble. I see it all the time. We must have in this season some financial margins. And maybe some of us need some financial guardrails. Because we'd be a lot happier with those pictures if there were just guardrails, right? Right? Some of us need to put up some financial guardrails. In the season to spend, 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 right? See, Most of us live life at the limit, and sometimes we're trying to impress people that we don't even know. Many of us live over our limits financially during this season, and because of that, it's hard to rest. It is. Can I just say, we have to find margin in this season we must as the people of God we don't live like the rest of the world oh come on somebody besides Sam amen we don't follow the scripture says we don't follow after the patterns of this world we don't follow what's normal in the neighborhood There's a lot of good things to be involved in, but we don't have to be involved in all of them. We may have to give up some good things to focus on what is best. There are some of you in the room right now, you are living without moral margins. And one slip, and you're going to lose it all. Just one slip because there's no, there's no margin. You may be dating somebody, you know, that's pushing you and, and squeezing your, your limits. Maybe physically, maybe emotionally, I don't know. And if you're not careful, if your margins aren't big enough, the holidays are really, really difficult. They really are. And here's why. Write write this down. It's because when margins decrease, pressure increases. Say amen or oh me. Right? Right? You may need to read that with me. Ready? Go. When margins decrease, pressure increases. Isn't that true? It's absolutely true. When we live life with no margins, the pressure goes up. And here's what happens in the holidays. (laughs) Do you realize there are more fights in marriages in the holidays than any other time of the year? There's more junk that happens behind closed doors During this next four weeks than any other time of the year. And it's because there's no margins. We fill it all up. We push it to the max. And there's no margins. And the people around us will pay the price. They'll pay the price emotionally. They may pay the price with your anger. Because when there's no margins, you get explosive. Come on, because the pressure goes up. It just goes up. Your anger, or the way I I deal with it is I just shut down. I just check out. And everybody around me is having a blast, and I'm just totally zoned. I don't even know who's in the room. Come on. You know, and we miss it. We miss the beauty of this season. We miss so much. Hmm. Can I just tell you nothing destroys intimacy in a relationship like lack of margins. When there's no margin, when there's no breathing room, intimacy is really difficult. It really is. So where are you? That's why Jesus comes along and says, he calls us, and he says, come to me. Make some space. Make some space. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Matter of fact, he says, I'm going to show you how to do it. Isn't that what Jesus did? Look at his life. When pressure increased, he got away with the Father even more. Isn't that right? And you know what's interesting? I don't know. I don't know if you realize it, but in the scripture, not all the things Jesus did in the three and a half years is recorded. Did y'all know that? Not every. It's not a minute by minute, day by day. It's the highlights of what Jesus did. Right? That's the scripture. It's the highlights. He did a lot more, but so I. I'm just gonna say. Based on what the scripture says, it's interesting to me, the man that was perfect, the man that lived with more margins than any man that's ever walked, the man that walked closer with and was the God of the universe on the planet, it's interesting to me, every major miracle that is recorded happened when he came back into the room after being with the Father. Every one of them. Every one of them. He was away with the Father, and then when he got around people, he had space. Come on. He had margin to be present with them. To be alive in the room, in the crowd, and not miss the need of really what was going on. Come on. It's so, so true. That's why he says, come away. Come away with me. Come back. Come back. Spend some time in this crazy season. Come spend some time with me. Just spend some time with me. I'll show you how to do this. I'll show you how to live life Just take a breath. Step back. Make some margins. Come on. Put some space between your load and your limit so you can handle this. He's like, just come away with me. And our first response when we hear a message like this is, I don't have time. Are you kidding me, preacher? I can't do that. I don't have time. My dad used to, I thought about that this morning. I didn't write it down. But my dad used to say this. We'd be working on something, and I would say, that's okay for now. We'll just do it this way for now. And my dad's, fam- one of his famous phrases in mechanicin on something, he would say, if you don't have time to do it right the first time, when are you going to have time to do it again? Some of y'all need to get that tattooed somewhere. All right? If I don't have the time to do it right the first time, when am I going to have time to do it again? It's like this. Preventive maintenance is always cheaper than an overhaul. Right? Don't look at me like you're crazy. No. 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 Man, well, I've learned the hard way. The best thing for my marriage <laughs> is to get away with her, to give her some time. Because, see, I thought for years, all I, I mean, because I'm like, you know, my, the whole love language thing, I, I just wanted to give her stuff. I just wanted to give her stuff. I, I was married 15 years when I figured out she don't care about the stuff. She could care less about the stuff. She just wants me to sit down and watch a Hallmark movie. <laughs> Kill me now. I'm like <laughs> The longest. The longest two or 14 hours, I don't know how long they are. <laughs> right? Can I get an amen? Come on. You know? I just want to go build her a house. I could do it in the same amount of time. You know? And she's like, just sit down. Just sit. Just be here. Be present, not on your phone, not distracted, just be here, like really here. Hmm. That's a sacrifice for me. But you know what I've learned? I'm 35 years into it, and the last 20 years have been amazing. Blows my mind. As I make a habit of her presence, she responds that way. And it's awesome. And can I just tell you, I'm not so sure that God didn't give me her to teach me some things about him. Right? To show me some things about him. That it's about his presence. And we go, yeah, but I don't have time. And I know Jesus is sitting there going, are you kidding me? What do you mean you don't have time? I'm saying, come away. Don't you know what they used to have to do to be in my presence? Don't you know that back in the Old Testament, for 4,000 years, for them to be in my presence, it was a lot more work. Matter of fact, I just want to show you something. And I'm going to read. I know the first one is up there, but I want to read in Exodus 25. And so you can put that first scripture up there, but then we're going to. Then I'm just going to highlight some things. I want you to get a hold of this. What a big deal the presence of God is. Not just was, but is. Because in Exodus chapter 25, and I'm going to start with verse 22. He says, I will meet with you. I want to meet with you. This is God talking. I want to meet with you there, and I'm going to talk to you from above the anointed anointment cover between the gold cherubims that hover over the Ark of the Covenant. From there, I will give you my commands for the people of Israel. I want to talk to you. I want to meet with you. So, since I want to meet with you, the very next verse, here's where he starts in. He says, because I want to meet with you, I want to spend time with you. This is in the Old Testament. So here's what you got to do so I can spend time with you. You're going to make a table of acacia wood, 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, 27 inches high. Overlay it with pure gold. Run, run the gold over into a molding around the edges. Decorate it with a three-inch border around all of it. And then I want you to make four golden rings for the table to attach to the four corners of the table next to the four legs. Attach the rings near the border so that the poles can be used to carry the table. Make these poles from acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Make special containers of pure gold for the tables, bowls, ladles, pitchers, jars for you to use to be pouring the liquid, to pour out the liquid offering. Place the bread of his presence, and I could talk about that, that is awesome, on the table. To remain before me at all times. Make lampstands of pure gold, hammered gold. Make an entire lampstand and decorate it in one piece. The base, center stem, lamp cup, buds, and pedestals all in one piece. Make it six branches. And then he goes on and he says, You're going to make these three cups that are shaped like almond blossoms. You're going to... uh, Complete the buds and the pedestals with pure gold. Each one of these lampstands are going to be of 75 pounds of pure gold. Think about that. And then he goes on and he says, There's gonna be all of these almond branches and all of these accessories. And then he that's verse 20 or chapter 25. Then chapter 26, he continues. He says, You're gonna make curtains of finely woven linen. You're gonna decorate the curtains with blue and purple and scarlet thread for skillfully embroidered cherubims. These 10 curtains must be exactly the same size. 42 feet long, 6 feet wide. Join five of these curtains together to make one long curtain. Then join the other five into a second long curtain. Put loops of blue yarn along the edges of the last curtains in each set, the 50 loops along the edges of one curtain, and that they match the 50 loops along the edge of the other curtains, and then you're going to take 50 gold clasps, and you're going to fasten them all along these same curtains, and then you're going to use that to build a tabernacle, and you're going to make 11 more curtains of goat hair to put a roof on it. Now, I'm, I'm just jumping ahead, right? Right. And then he says, and each one of those are gonna be 45 feet long and six feet wide. And you're gonna join five of those made of goat's hair together to make two big pieces. And then you're gonna take those 50 clasps and you're gonna hook them to the roof clasp, and then you're gonna go and you're you're gonna make 16 inches over or 18 inches overlay. The side so it doesn't leak. And then he goes and he says, You're going to make a frame, and those frames are going to be 15 feet high, 27 inches wide for each of the beams that's going to hold this thing up. And then you're going to make 20 of these frames, and they're going to be supported. ...to support the one side of them and you're going to duplicate that for the other side. Then you're going to make six frames for the rear and six frames for the front. Then you're going to go and you're going to make crossbars and then you're going to do... Then he goes on. That's chapter 26. I'm going to stop reading there. Then he goes on chapter 27... You're gonna take and you you're gonna take these square construction timbers and you're gonna add to them seven and a half feet wide by seven and a half feet long by four and a half feet. You're gonna put horns on them to build the corners of the temple, and then you're gonna go after that you're going to have to build a courtyard and it's 150 feet long and it's got 20 posts in it it's got curtains around it then all of chapter 27 you got to build you got to do you got to you got to get it all done before i can meet with you and then chapter 28 continues chapter 25 26 27 28 you got to find skillful men and skillful women and they're going to make clothing And they're going to make robes. They're going to put this kind of jewels on this particular spot on the robes. Then you're going to have to build an altar. And then you're going to have to prepare the meat in a certain way and take it at a certain time and do it exactly this way. And then you're going to go. And when you burn it, this is how you deal with what's left. Here's how it works. for for five and a half chapters. You must do, you must build, you must do, you must must grow, you must construct, you must sow, you must hone, you must hammer. You gotta do all of this, then I will meet with you there. And Jesus comes along and says, I've already done it all. All you gotta do is come to me. Just come to me. I did all that work so at the crossing, you don't have to do all that to be with me. You just got to stop. You just got to slow down. I did the work I came as Emmanuel through a virgin I lived a perfect 33 and a half years of life without sin experiencing every temptation but without sin On the cross, I paid the price so you don't have to build and melt and mold and sow and raise up and sacrifice. You don't have to do all of that. I came out of the grave overcoming the liar, overcoming the flesh. I came out of the grave overcoming this world. And all I'm asking is if you want to recover your life, just come away with me. Just come. That's all I've ever wanted from the garden. All I've ever wanted is to walk with you. All I want to do is for you to be in my presence and recognize I'm here.